0: Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I told you we're going to take some risks this fall and we're going to cover some new topics. And one of those topics we're covering is entrepreneurship. Now I can guess that a lot of you listening probably think of somebody else when you think of entrepreneurship, but I want to expand your view of what this could be. This could be a business leader. This could be a teacher that has launched some new process based on what the kids weren't getting before. This is somebody that started a nonprofit or a different division of your nonprofit. This is somebody that started a new program or process that didn't exist before. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you think differently, you're an innovator, and you may even be an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur simply, I believe, is somebody that sees a pain point and creates a solution. Sometimes that involves finances. Sometimes that will involve fundraising, but we want to kind of open your minds to what this could look like. And here's what we know about entrepreneurship. It's awesome. And it's stinking hard. I mean, it's really hard. And so we want to share both sides of that. And we brought on two of our friends of Stay Forth and entrepreneurs to be able to have conversation about this. And this is really important if you're going through coaching with us at Stay Forth to know that we don't want to demonize entrepreneurship. Again, we think it's amazing. We also don't want to idolize entrepreneurship because we don't think that everybody with an idea should jump on that idea tomorrow and risk their financial fate to do that. And in these kind of conversations here that we're having on the podcast, we want to share both sides of that. And I want to start that off with a good friend of mine, Jeremiah Callahan. Uh, We call him Maya. I guess you can call him Maya as well. Uh, He's a dear friend of mine. He's been a friend of Stay Forth and an encourager of what we're doing here at Stay Forth from the start. So Maya, it's great to have you.
1: Alan, thanks for having me. It's awesome to be here on a podcast
0: with you. It's official, man. We've yeah. had um, I would say hundreds, at least we've talked many dozens of hours about stay forth, probably over a hundred hours.
1: hours. And it's been great to see the journey.
0: It's been fun, hard, all the things that we're gonna talk about. Okay. And uh, so many times you're speaking in a stay forth. We're gonna flip the mic today to hear about what you're doing along the way. So give us a little perspective. And why don't you start out by briefly talking about your work history over the years?
1: Yeah, I'm in my early 40s now. Um, for the last 20 years of my professional life, I have been an entrepreneur and didn't always realize it. So uh, I started out uh, in my early 20s working for a mega nonprofit that many people listening would, would know who that is. And um, and what I learned in my four years there is that I was creative within that environment, being an entrepreneur, kind of solving problems a different way, seeing things. An better. entrepreneur,
0: if you an will. An
1: exactly. Mm-hmm. So that was my starting point. And then while I was at that organization, I uh, created a nonprofit uh, called Axis, A-X-I-S. You can check it out at Axis.org and founded that with a buddy of mine in my early 20s. Um, and that's all about uh, helping parents understand the world of their teenagers and building lifelong faith in the next generation. It didn't start that way. It evolved into that over the 16 years that I uh, kind of founded and, and led that with my, my buddy David. Um, and so that was the last 16 years of my life until uh, April of this year, where I felt called by the Lord to actually jump into something totally different, completely different industry space. An idea, um, and so uh, so we can get into kind of the access journey if you want, Alan. But also we can talk about gather, which is the next phase, and, and gather is the name of the new business. And the idea of that is um, how can you create physical spaces that bring people together, that gather people more than ever before, that solve the problems of isolation and even the metaverse, if you wanna look at that as a a form of isolation. Um, How can we in the United States especially become more like our uh, ancestors and friends over in Europe who learned how to do town centers way better than we do and learned how to uh, connect with each other, slow down their pace of life. Uh, and, and do do life that way versus just the hustle and bustle of what we're doing here in the U.S. for the last 300 plus years um, where we're just trying to make stuff happen and, and kind of forget to breathe and slow down and be with one another. And so that's the dream is how do we how do we create new kinds of physical spaces to do that?
0: Beautiful. So much in that. I want to camp on a couple of things. First of all, your organization shifted and changed as you did. I mean, that is a long time. <laughs> yep to be leading that almost half of your life. And in the meantime, of course, tons is gonna change. That's for another episode of the podcast there. I don't wanna miss that. Um, But also you didn't view yourself as an entrepreneur. What had to change to actually slap that word entrepreneur on yourself?
1: Oh, that's interesting. It's probably probably external feedback. It's probably friends and mentors that kind of uh, saw that truth and spoke it into me. Um, I, I think there's this concept of being a starter Uh, versus being a maintainer or even a finisher. And um, for a long time, I knew that I was a starter, but also was good at being a maintainer and maybe even a finisher of things. So I think for me, that's been um, some of the wrestling has been uh, kind of balancing skill sets versus desires. And I think where I enjoy myself the most is in that starting Mm. mode and um, I think maturing and, and coming to grips with that reality um, has definitely been a process for me. So 16 years at Axis, building this amazing nonprofit, um, I kind of I, I embraced the maintaining role. And I, I think that I learned over time that the, uh, the way that I kept myself sane and excited and interested enough to keep maintaining was that I recreated within that maintaining. Mm. And I think that I realized that it's better for me and owning my own desires to actually be the one that helps start things um and and so that's kind of turned into how can i start a new kind of enterprise um that is even scalable that could be you the the process of that could change over time um, in order to accomplish more and more good through through that kind of organizational um creation mode
0: yeah i'm here in life stage uh, maturity. Obviously, we can't just start things and leave them for somebody else. I think there are a lot of lies around entrepreneurship, um, i.e. who is an entrepreneur, who isn't. We think about Steve Jobs. We think about starting things that earn billions of dollars out of a garage someday. And so um, we're actually trying to write the conversation back to say, if you see a pain point and you solve it, I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs who Absolutely. are designed to lead within an existing structure but will continue to innovate um, And actually, my story is pretty similar in terms of uh, what I believed an entrepreneur was and wasn't, and um, sort of counted myself out of a lot of that. We've had tons of conversations about that.
1: I mean, we're all creative, right? Mm -hmm. Every one of us is creative in different ways. And I think entrepreneurship is really just a form of creativity and and problem solving. Mm -hmm. So I think that most people have that DNA in them, some more than others, but most people have that DNA and it's just, uh, I guess, being okay with that and then being willing to uh, embrace that that side of you is huge.
0: Yeah. So we talk about the jump a lot in entrepreneurial circles. Uh, making the jump, which usually means staking your full-time living on actually heading this direction. Uh, what caused you in that moment to say, I'm going to make the jump. This gather concepts matter, <laughs> matters enough to me that I'm going to risk the financial well-being of my family.
1: Can I get a little personal, vulnerable? Let's go. In front, of, go. Right, in front um, of thousands of people, go for it. Okay. Uh, so I think that for me, the first phase and being able to make the jump that I probably wouldn't have been able to jump otherwise is really focusing on personal health. And by that, I mean, I got... Uh, several years of personal therapy, digging into my own story, and uh, the kind of trauma in my life, the things holding me back, the ways that, that I operated for the first 35 to 40 years of my life. Um, I think that I wouldn't have made the jump if I didn't come to a real good grip on healing, um, and particularly in my relationship with God, and, and then also the, the trauma of my past. And so I think for me, that was the first phase. And anybody out there, obviously, you hear Stayforth talking about that all the time. How do you get personally healthy? How do you find therapy and counseling before you even go to the coaching side of things? And I think that was huge for me. Um, Understanding my own story is part of that. And then realizing my strengths. Uh, And then the final piece would be... um, learning how to engage Jesus in my life decisions and be led by him in in that process and having a a good uh, sense of how to listen to to Jesus, how to listen to the Spirit, the Father, in terms of um, what he has next for me. And so a combination of that healing, that story identity, and then the the calling side, which is connection with, with God. In terms of uh, what was next for me, all those things kind of had to come together Mm -hmm. at once. And that's what uh, that's what gave me the confidence to make the leap.
0: Maya, let me stop you there. Community, I was close enough to that that we had conversations about that. Obviously, you were having conversations with your wife and bringing her into that. You're listening to Jesus. There's a lot of listening going on in the process. And I've actually seen friends and community do a lot of damage in the process, almost like daring people to take the jump, like you have to. And I, I was really careful to not uh, direct your steps because you were listening hard to God. And obviously that's a big risk for both you and your wife, figuring that piece of it out. What was the role of community in your decision-making process?
1: I needed a couple friend visors, I'll call them, (laughs) Uh, at a certain point to just kind of tell me what to do. Um, And these friends knew me long enough and we had a trusting relationship enough and you are one of them um, that were able to kind of see from the outside looking in what was going on and then uh, give me that. It's kind of like, so I've cliff jumped with my oldest son and it's the freakiest thing when you're jumping off a 40 foot cliff And when you're a dad of a teenager, you feel like you kind of have to lead, and see you're the first one to jump off. But I kind of needed like somebody to push me off.
0: (laughs) But we knew you wanted to jump. So you knew I wanted to jump. The (laughs) mirror was holding back, (laughs) and and I think that's important here. This these aren't outside people. This isn't some mastermind group of people you just met that you're trying to one up. It was. It seems like the desires of your heart really are to want to do this. Maybe maybe we're going to jump with you versus pushing you off something like that. But then,
1: but then there's this thing called risk that, <laughs> um, especially when you have a family, you want to be very careful about when you take certain risks. I'm an, I'm a risk taker by nature, but when you're bringing a family along with you, like I really needed. Um, somebody, and, and my wife was included in this as well, to say, you know what, like, it is okay mm-hmm. to go. It is okay to jump. And so... Yeah. Uh, so Measure the water
0: depth, reason. maybe, is the yeah. analogy here. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. be... There was no stupidity. I my
1: foot hit the bottom, <laughs> you know, jumping off a cliff before. And I'm like, oh, that was just deep enough. And, yeah, and totally. This was one of those situations where it was like, it's okay to jump. You can do it. Yeah.
0: yeah. So um, you're in this sort of pre-public phase. we can't walk through these community centers yet we can't physically touch brick and mortar so to maybe ask a dumb question what exactly do you do all day as an entrepreneur in this phase
1: well one of the things and a lot of you guys out there um understand what it means to be bivocational but i took a half-time job for one so money is going to be a big part of the decision-making process in um, this early, early stage venture that I decided to jump into, that's still being formulated, uh, having an income was super nice, and so that was something strategic that God actually uh, brought onto the radar for me earlier than I thought I would need mm-hmm. to to find that.
0: Took some pressure off.
1: Took some financial pressure off. Um, so that's been huge. So I do have a half time job, and then the other half of the time. Um, that's a good question. What am I, what am I doing like day to day right now? Let me mention one thing like I decided to intentionally invest in a coach, Um, and so I uh, meet with a coach once every two weeks, and uh, my wife questions the decision from time to time but she's trusting me in that expense. Mm -hmm side of things. And this person is able to come alongside me almost like a partner would that Mm -hmm. I'm paying Mm -hmm. to come alongside of me so that I don't feel as alone. And I can also kind of clarify and understand what the next best steps are to take. Um, So in my day-to-day, I spend two days a week where I have the next task at hand, whether it's building, building a pitch deck Whether it's doing some financial analysis, whether it's actually meeting with with people who could come in and join me on a partnership level, or um, in in the case of what I'm actually building next, it's an artisan center space where uh, 12 to 16 artisans will be part of one uh, mini mall that I call it. And so uh, it's a way to kind of gather creative people within a community and draw the public in, in order to um, be captivated by the different artists in that space. And so that's what I'm building. So even today, for example, right before this, I was meeting with a maker, an artisan in town, learning everything I can about where they're coming from, what they need, how they might be able to fill into this space. And so I'm doing, you know, some artisan recruitment, uh, some some design work, some pitch deck work, and the list goes on.
0: Tons of learning. Yep. I mean, I you, you hopped on a plane for a learning opportunity. We'll call it field last trip week, yep. uh, last mm-hmm. week. So that's just a huge piece. I don't know how you actually would be an effective entrepreneur without learning like crazy in every area Absolutely. that you possibly this is
1: a real big complicated projects, so there's definitely a ton of learning, mm-hmm. it, and I'll, I'll just say, like, it is very uncomfortable, uh, mm-hmm. because I'm a doer, I'm a, I'm a builder, like, I like to see concrete, I like to see money show up, like, and that's not happening right now, and so it's a very uncomfortable phase, which is really great for the building of my faith, also really great for learning patience and perseverance, Um, And and I like to equate the journey that I'm on right now and kind of the pre-venture stage as um, kind of like climbing a 14-er, which we do here in Colorado. There's these 14,000-foot mountains. They're really tall, really difficult, six-hour hikes. You're kind of just walking straight up a mountain. And um, in those experiences, You're told just to take one step at a time and you're exhausted and you're trying to make it to the top and any trained mountain guide, like yourself, Alan, you'll just say, just take that next step and then take the next step. And that's kind of the mode that Mm. I found myself in right now.
0: In the first half of the day, you can't see anything because you're in the trees it doesn't get good until you're crazy tired and the air is thinner. So yeah, you're, uh,
1: you're gasping for breath and, and you just have to remember, take another step, take another step. And every once in a while you have somebody there with you that you can talk to that can distract you a little bit. That can also encourage you as you continue to go.
0: Awesome. And I know the feeling. Uh, what are the hard things for you about being an entrepreneur besides the delayed gratification you just talked
1: about? Yeah, Absolutely. And I have a list of of things I could say. Um, It's very lonely. It can be very lonely to be an entrepreneur. Um, If you're blessed to have a spouse that thinks the same way, good on you. Uh, Definitely lean into that. But typically, we don't have a spouse that thinks the same way if if we're an entrepreneur. And so even if you have a supportive partner or person alongside of you, it can still feel very lonely. You have to manage everything. Like Mm -hmm. there's nothing that you shouldn't be or need to be doing at any point in time. And so that can be really difficult thinking about all sorts of things from accounting to marketing to business planning, uh, the list goes on there. Um, I think another thing I would say would be cash. Like, it, in the again, I'm in a certain mode of entrepreneurship right now being in kind of this, the pre-startup phase. But uh, when there's not money right there in front of you, when you're not necessarily getting a paycheck, um, that can be really difficult and really, really a reality check. It can be hard to focus, it can be hard to find discipline. And then you, I think the final thing that comes to mind is like, and I mentioned this um, just a minute ago, but like you have to have a supportive spouse who's in it for the long haul with you, that will support you even when the money's not there. Even when you're having an off day and you lose motivation, whatever that may be, um, and even a spouse who will encourage you and not just not just be like uh, supportive, but also proactive in their encouragement of you can be mm-hmm. really important.
0: And sometimes the supportive is actually financially. Sometimes the spouse is actually holding down a more stable job yeah. um, so that the family can take this risk. And,
1: and me and you have no idea about that. <laughs> no before. idea about that. <laughs> we're both we're both leaning on our honeys hashtag
0: help. sugar mama. yeah <laughs> thanks babe <laughs> which I think is part of it we love you I think is is part of it to talk about which is if we don't talk about these things we can glorify entrepreneurship almost idolize it you know go for it take the leap there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of
1: absolutely it's not focus as sexy <laughs> yeah. as it might sound and for those of you who aren't as entrepreneurial leaning like you you may should enjoy where you're at because <laughs> it it's not always as, uh, as awesome as it's cracked up.
0: Sure. Uh, there are a few awesome things. Talk about the the flip side. What's awesome about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I love my autonomy and my freedom and, you know, this is a classic one, but like it really means something to not have to do anything on any given day and to be able to kind of choose your own adventure, like those old books, Mm -hmm. uh, where you're, you're, you have three paths you could choose. In the day, in the week, in the month, and you get to choose which priority you want to pick. I mean, I, I love that personally. Um, a, a component of that is, is flexibility. Uh, even with a, with a growing family, I have four kids, nine through 16, and so uh, being able to drop on a dime and go get a kid from school and not have to feel like something has to be done that very moment. Or you're the man that is your boss is expecting you to do something in that moment. So having that level of flexibility is huge. Um, I love uh, the creativity and just like the artistry that comes with entrepreneurship. I mean, I think that's why a lot of us end up here is, is being able to use that creativity that God's kind of ingrained in all of us um, to kind of fill the earth and subdue it, if you will, like, I think that, um, that is just a joy to be able to make things up from scratch, to be able to solve problems that don't seem solvable. Um, and, and even, In that, being able to partner with God and kind of coming up with new solutions is is really a lot of fun.
0: There's a lot of fulfillment. And maybe you haven't quite used the word, but I can see it in your eyes when you're you're working on this big project that the world needs. That if it existed in that exact same way, you would have joined somebody else Mm -hmm. to partner up. That's a whole lot easier. Uh, And I always encourage people to look and see, is there something you could join that's doing Mm -hmm. something similar? Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I didn't quite see something like Stay Forth. And as I continue to, I don't quite see anything like stay forth. And so it's like, well, I, I guess the world needs this thing. And there's a fulfillment piece to that. It doesn't mean that it comes without a lot of the risks that and you just shared. it's been
1: fun to watch that journey for you, Alan, like to see you mentioning however many years it was ago. You know, I think that pastors and ministry leaders need help, need encouragement, need coaching. And it's like, is there a market for that? Well, not a lot of people have done it, probably because it's really hard. Right. But as now learning, I see why they haven't done it.
0: As we're you learning,
1: uh, there's a lot of people who that can really help and can help take them to the next level so that they don't jump off the wrong kind of cliff, which is burnout or. Um, all the things that come with that yeah for for another day i'm (laughs) I'm happy that you were able to enter into that space because it's
0: a huge need yeah man for for another day in terms of what we've Mm -hmm. learned along the way but when to get kind of the the last question here would just be direct advice uh Mm -hmm. if you were to give advice to people who are considering making the jump and who would consider themselves entrepreneurial what advice would you give
1: I think a big one is you have to have that understanding and supportive spouse. Uh, if If you know if you have somebody like that in your life, um, even if you're not married and you're you're single, like having somebody to come alongside you and support you in this is extremely important. whether that's a close friend, um, whether it's a spouse, whether it's even a mentor or a family member, I think that's huge um, to try to not do this thing on your own. Um, and I include in that friend advisors, like I mentioned earlier, uh, mentors, I think it's super important to, to consider paying for a coach. I know that's what you guys do. I would second. that. (laughs) So, uh, but I do that personally and Mm -hmm. I have not hired state forward to be my coach. I've hired uh, a business coach that, that is helping me and that I trust. And has been along the ride with me and, um, and even was along the ride with me in my previous venture, and I was like, hey, can you come along? Can I pay you to come along and coach me? Yep. Um, I think that your relationship with God is extremely important if you're a person of faith, if you're a believer, uh, to bring uh, Jesus, the Spirit, the Father into this journey with you. Um, if you do it with, without him, um, you will be lost and dazed and confused, and so not forgetting that. Um, I would say follow the money. Like, Wherever you see revenue potential, those are probably the things early on, especially that you should really be honing in your energy and your activity toward. Um, Finding an audience that's willing to pay for something, creating a product that uh, can attract uh, paying customers. Um, There's there's so many options of things that you can be doing. And so it, it really is a discipline and sometimes even a talent to identify where is the money, because that's finding the money, even if it's a a small revenue stream at the beginning can can help fund uh, the time Mm -hmm. and and the ability to do bigger and and greater things. Um, Yeah, taking that one step at a time. Um, And then I guess the final thing I'll say is um, you really want to keep that big bad enemy of burnout in mind. Um, by not forcing the issue and wearing yourself out. Um, And I think a healthy way to pursue um, kind of the the next steps would be the, I call it, let the game come to you. This is something I'm learning as I'm maturing because in my early days, I would just hustle. I would lean on hustle and feel like I had to strive and make things happen. And I put so much pressure on myself um, that I actually did burn out at a period of time um, but letting things come to me and trusting God for the outcomes and, and having a, a conversational conversational intimacy with God in that process has been um, something that I want to continue to get better at here in my second mountain, my second uh, stage of life here, my second half, uh, where I'm not trying to make everything happen, but I'm kind of trusting the process and leaning on God for direction. Mm,
0: that's good. I want to camp out on two things um, before we move on to the next interview um, I can't stress enough you need community in the process. Just because you aren't paying a team doesn't mean you don't have a team. Absolutely. A coach, that person comes along as your maybe fractional advisor. You have friends who are for you. They have gifts. They have skills. They love you. They're going to tell you the good and the hard and the process. Make sure to have those friend visors yeah. in the process.
1: And cheat code, for those of you who don't actually want to be entrepreneurs yourself, go like hang out with an entrepreneur and be their support, because then you can kind of get that secondhand and not have to do it yourself.
0: A friend of mine says, don't try to be like your mentor, try to see like your mentor. And when you hang out with other entrepreneurs and you go, man, they're in a completely different area, but they know how to see a pain point and go for it. Like in real estate, for example, completely different from what we're doing, but I learned from real estate folks because the kind of posture attitude they have toward it. Uh, And that is transferable. And of course, not an ad for coaching here, um, but those moments when chaos is high, you need structure and support to be high as well to match that. Love the focus on the spouse there as well. I think that gets left out of the conversation. And money, we talk about these twin engines of impact and income. And a lot of people, I think, especially in the Christian space, make the mistake of thinking about money. money. Money yeah. is the bad guy. Yeah. Yep. And the reality is that buys you some time. You Our so bread and awesome. butter early on was one-on-one coaching. And that was so helpful to see that that allowed us to take the risk into experiences and not risk everything on experiences, but to say, we, we're gonna be great at one-on-one coaching. We're gonna to add tons of value. And then we really added one thing at a time.
1: Sustainability is huge. If you can't sustain what you're doing, it won't work. And money is usually what can sustain.
0: Yeah, uh, so good, so helpful. Been fun to watch you build along the way. Thanks for being part of the Stay Forth process. And how about let's bring you back in the 2.0 phase. When you have more and more stories to tell, good, bad, and ugly, uh, and we'll do kind of a a review of the last season, cannot wait to see these gather centers. Actually, let's do a podcast from a gather community center in the future. Sounds good.